Warning, the following podcast contains violent scenes that may be unsettling to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, and welcome to The Brian Diaries, where my pals and I get together and talk about subjects dealing with our favorite tabletop role-playing setting, The World of Darkness. While we may not be subject matter experts on the game lines, we have a passion that has led us to create and share actual plays with you all. Eventually we thought, well shit, we might as well take a stab at a podcast, and here you go. Each episode, we will have a guest content creator to join us to talk about whatever subject is on the table. If you'd like to contact us, you can reach out to us on Twitter at twin underscore cities underscore VTM or on Facebook at Twin Cities by Night. So here we go. I hope you enjoy. Hey, 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 welcome back to the Brian Diaries. I cannot think of anything witty to say that involves coffee, Black Sabbath, heavy metal, cold brew. I can't, I, I'm, I'm just fucking plumb out of ideas, Andrew. I don't know what That's to do. That's not a surprise. You never have anything witty to say about that stuff. Oh, shit. And the truth comes out, man. Like, it is true. But, I mean, fuck, what can I say, though, man? This is, I know I am fueled by Black Sabbath and fucking cold brew so we'll go ahead and pick up there we don't need we don't need one-liners man right because we are in ourselves one-liners am i getting too deep and introspective here right now for this or what i'm not really sure where you're going with that i have no idea where i'm going with it but i do know where we're going to be going in this episode which i'm really fucking excited for so i'll actually let you explain andrew since this was your kind of idea about like what not exactly what we'll be talking about but like kind of like the theme that we're going to be going for in this episode of the brian diaries yeah, one of the things that I like about – I both like and hate about The World of Darkness is its plot. There is some amazing things within uh, the overarching story of The World of Darkness, this meta plot that uh, is so beloved by so many people. And there's also some really terrible things in there as well. And so I'm hoping that what we can do is do like a little mini series within The Brian Diaries is occasionally just have like an episode where we just – we pick some – like a topic or two of things that uh, fit within this – overall story structure of the world of darkness and talk about them and what we like about them what we don't like and how you who might be listening could actually use it in your story whether you are a player or a storyteller or whatever for sure for sure or even how like it inspires like us as storytellers on our own actual plays or you know just kind of like what we take away from it because we all have unique perspectives everyone listeners you and i there's everyone who's involved in this in this awesome game line have unique perspectives of what they like and they do not like where I find that to be honest, and I, I constantly say this, like I'm kind of a, a, a tabletop RPG poser, but I like the canon for me, like I am, I don't want to say I'm clueless on VTM canon. Like I know, I'd say I like know like a good big picture view of the canon, but like when it comes into the smaller details, I'm really kind of clueless because I find it to be at times overwhelming and often debated. And then you go into the whole unreliable narrator aspect of it and different ways you can interpret it. So it's it's definitely, though, something fun that you can either choose to use or not use in your game. And we hope we can kind of inspire you guys by this and talk about these different canons. And Andrew, by far, is so knowledgeable on like different aspects of these games i mean really kudos to him if you've seen him on any of the discords or just have talked to him like this guy is like knowledge of shit is fucking mind-boggling so it's awesome to have him here help out because if it was just me i'd be trying to still figure out one liner on cold brew and black sabbath and just be failing epically so let's talk about kind of like the first i guess like canon that we'll be we'll be diving into and it's kind of one that like 
really when I got back into Vampire the Masquerade like about three years ago or a little bit over three years ago whenever that was there was one that kind of called to me because of the different themes I enjoy in Vampire the Masquerade myself as a storyteller and that is the Canada Montreal the Sabat city that is in Canada and one of the things that really pulled me or had me excited when I was going to because I had yet to read the book that a lot of that canon is in and one of the things that was really had me excited was the tone and themes I heard from people secondhand that was in that city and mainly being infernalism and the sabbat uh, kind of black dog outlook on things now yeah, I was gonna say it is a black dog book isn't it Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it is a black dog book. Even the art is like, you know what I mean? Like, it's definitely not a not something you want to leave to where kids can find, you know, but it is. Yeah, it's black dog. And I have this weird I have this weird love hate relationship with the black dog label. I don't know why. I just don't feel I mean, well, it's not used anymore. Right. It's not used in V20 V5 line anymore. I just I feel that sometimes the shit that you see under the black dog label is just kind of like fucking stupid. You know what? I don't want to sound like an ass. I'm not no disrespect to anyone who wrote on black dog lines or whatever. And it was the nineties and it was a different time period, but there's just stuff in there that I'm just like, could be handled a little bit more maturely. You know, this is my opinion for being a mature line. You know, I'm not for anyone who's listened to like twin cities by night or anything that I've story told in the past. I think people might be, where like I like to tackle like mature themes, like you know, darker themes like that. So I'm not like I'm not bothered by stuff. I just think that when you handle such themes to truly have it be impactful and truly have it be a respectable topic, you got to handle it a certain way. And I think sometimes the black dog label or stuff under the black dog label misses the mark. I don't know about your opinions on the black dog. I don't think we've ever even really talked about your opinions on black dog and your outlook. What's your outlook on all that on that sub label from uh, the nineties? Bit bit mixed. Mixed. there's some stuff that i i like some stuff i'm not a fan of and even in the things that i don't like there's elements i do enjoy um i mean i'm running giovanni chronicles for uh my other group and you know that's that's black dog and it's also not great yeah so, like <laughs> it it has some problems and then you have to work to make it work and i feel like that is something that you can say pretty much about all of the black dog supplements in some form or fashion they they are they have a lot of good ideas, but usually poor implementation, and you kind of have to work with it and change it up and do your own spin on it to make it really good. For sure, for sure. And you artic- you articulated what I was trying to say perfectly. They're good ideas, just poor, you know, um, putting it into act poorly. So the Montreal Canon usually is kind of was originally brushed with that black dog uh, brush and labeled with that black dog label, which kind of surprised me. So I'm going to talk about one Canon thing. I'm going to kind of open the door here about one Canon thing that I actually am not a fan of in the Montreal Canon. And that is the way they, they handle infernalism. So, you know, we all have our own ways that we interpret different themes in these games. I, for anyone who knows me or sat down, talk to me, I'm not like, I'm not like every vampire. I'm one of those people who do not think that Molly should be player characters, right? Or that think that like things like that should be like in the forefront of games. But I do think that infernalism and like the, the dark, the black and the world of darkness, that's usually gray can be used to highlight different things and stories and different aspects of the game and bring more light to it in a weird way, like in a contrasting way. And the way that I prefer infernalism is more of a subtle, like 
Ninth Gate. I don't know if you've ever seen that movie, Andrew. Ninth Gate or like a Rosemary's yeah. Baby, kind of like a just something doesn't sit right. It's just eeriness and it's just like just fundamentally in its core like wrong and really it's not given a name it's not given a face i mean some people may try to articulate it by like calling it satanism or whatever but it's like it's something that's just in the backdrop and it's like in that the the in your peripheral vision sometimes that you can never quite get your eyes on and if you happen to ever witness anything dealing with that it fundamentally messes with your life and messes with your sanity and your outlook in life kind of like what we're tackling in uh the ultimate evil and so when I first looked into the Montreal canon and found out like there's this demon that's in a mountain. So just for anyone who may not know, there's this demon and I'm going to butcher his fucking name or her name. Meth, M-E-T-A-T-H-I-A-X. Good luck pronouncing that. Meth, Metatheax. And basically it is like this demon got trapped in a mountain and basically it corrupts from within its prison. And it kind of has this like corrupting influence where like certain canites or even mortals in the city were corrupted by it and became infernals and or like how it even has this weird like concept in the canon where vampires will go to that mountain and and, and like they, they imply like they go into the mountain and they come they're like these become these different creatures that kind of like, I don't know, like walk within tunnels. It's just not my thing. And the reason why it's not my thing. And I don't know if Andrew would agree with me or not, but the reason it's not my thing, because I think it paints too much of a, gives too much of a name to Infernos and makes it almost cartoony, like Captain Planet, like, oh, I'm corrupting you. And even like the interactions that a lot of vampires have with the Infernal and when they like make these Infernalistic deals, it's, it's just not, it's not eerie to me. You know what I mean? It's just, I don't find it scary. I don't find it disturbing. What, what are your outlooks on that? When it comes to Infernalism, I have mixed feelings regarding how that's handled in the world of darkness as a whole. And I won't I won't get into all of that, but I'll I'll just kind of focus on the perspective you're coming from with this particular book and how it's handled here. I don't have a whole lot I haven't read through this book. You know, I've kind of I, I did kind of skim over it once a while back and I don't really remember a whole bunch about it. So so when it comes to this type of situation, I don't mind there being like this is an evil person who is infernal and does deals with like demonic entities and stuff like that like sometimes you need like that villain you know but as long as they're like that's all hidden and not in the player character's face you know you don't want to have like the dungeons and dragons villain like ah this is the evil lich queen that you have to go and kill like (laughs) yeah no no that's not what this game system is about that's exactly. not how you that's not how you handle evil in this. It's subtle, it's insidious. Oh, and, I love that word, insidious. Good choice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, anything that is uh overtly malevolent and in your face and like like it, come on, it's cringeworthy, you know? And mm-hmm. and it's not for vampire, I don't think, because it's the world of darkness and and that's implies you know different shades of gray and that morality is a sliding scale. And that's a great thing to focus on. So if uh, if what you say about this is that you know it's too blatant you know i'll take your word for that and that it's yeah you know and i'm not, i wouldn't be a fan probably if i if i read through that was like <laughs> you know i would change it myself so yeah. but if it was subtle handled carefully there was behind the scenes things and the the corruption was spread and and in a way that wasn't like obvious on what it was just that like oh shit's going downhill and nobody knows why and it's just everything's going to going to hell and it's just like constant issues left and right like that's the type of uh 
that's the type of corruption you like to see in a game because uh, there's this one, there could be this one evil thing behind everything driving it all towards this dark end. But when it's not, when you don't know what it is, it adds to the mystery and makes it more exciting as a player. Oh, for sure. And scarier, I think. The unexplainable. The unexplainable is fucking scary. And once it's given a name and explained, it becomes, for me, it kind of loses some of that eeriness. Now, there are themes with NPCs of like being somewhat evil, but then it gets confusing where they have where like one guy who was like an inquisitor, uh, inquisitioner, basically part of the Sabat, Sabat Inquisition. Basically, their job's to root An out Inquisitor. Inquisitor. The Inquisition. Yep. Uh, their job is to root out infernalism where his soul is taken out of his body by the demon, I think, and put into the soul of an infernalist. And then it becomes infernal again, but then recreates its body to look like something. And I'm like reading this like I'm confused. I mean, I'm kind of dumb. So like I get confused easy, but like I'm like reading this like what? <laughs> like This is just becoming too much. It's like just too much. It's taking to me something that like in Clan Book Bali that is like like fucking scary and eerie and then it's just like making it like cartoony to me you know now i don't know which book was written first i can't attest i don't know off the top of my head but you know to kind of switch to a to change fire to adjust fire to a different direction of something that i think has strengths and weaknesses in the montreal canon is the npcs and there's some npcs and slash what they call covens that i think are fucking absolutely brilliant right here's the thing dark secret well, maybe not a dark secret. I, even though I've ran more Camarilla games, I guess, on our channel and just in life, I am a bigger fan of the Sabbat. Now, I'm not a bigger fan of the Sabbat because of the blood and the gore and the potential violence that occurs from there. I'm a bigger fan of the Sabbat because I feel like the you can really dive into some deep philosophical ideals about being inhuman. I think the concept of paths is fucking amazing. I think restructuring your belief system to be something that is completely alien to you when you're a normal human is is fucking brilliant. I think reading those paths can not are not only challenging me as a storyteller to think from a different perspective, it challenges players. Think about the challenge of being a player and trying to play out something that is unnatural to you. So yeah, sometimes it takes a little bit of uh, honesty to yourself and how you're playing to really play paths properly because you have to you have to catch yourself even and and because not not the storyteller is dealing with like everybody on their own individual paths and sometimes you know you're gonna break the ethics of your own path without even realizing and you're gonna need to try and rein in on that because it's not they're definitely not natural ways of thinking. Yeah, exactly right. They're it's not real easy to accidentally like do something and be like, oh, shit, actually that doesn't go along with like, you know, how this code of ethics is supposed to work. It's you know? definitely Especially when you're playing a very nuanced character. Exactly. And Sabat characters can be very fucking nuanced, man. They can be very nuanced. NPCs in here are, there are a wide variety of NPCs that are very nuanced and very well done. I mean, uh, for those of you who listen to our actual plays, I I've kind of hinted on our Discord and to people who listen to me when I ramble and I say it, I'm saying that like along with your help, Andrew. By the way, I'm really trying to make the Twin Cities on Fire, which is going to be the 1945 story arc that we're going to have that's going to involve the Sabat raid that we've kind of hinted happen. Then I really want to take a deep dive into the Sabat, so I'm trying to use like canon NPCs that I see that were around then who can be in the area or also like different rituals like you were bringing up from the um the v20 
the new Black Hand book, the Talamara book. I think I pronounced it right. I'm really on a roll with pronouncing shit today. But I so I think a lot of the NPCs are nuanced, but I do have one gripe. And I got to point this out and I am not a fucking fan of it. And again, I've been told by people, hey, it was the 90s and whatever. It's the 90s, I guess. But there's an NPC in this fucking book that I really felt if you could have gone without. It's the NPC Raphael Katari. And basically, there's another NPC that kind of is part of that character. And it's a cherubim i guess my point being is a nosferatu anti-tribute who hangs out with a kid that was embraced and they openly say that there's inappropriate physical relations that go on between the two why what's the point of that in the book like <laughs> what the fuck is the point and of that in the book they made it a nosferatu too just yeah. to make it extra gross like, i know yeah the, and they have sex yeah <laughs> it's like, it's like, what the fuck is that? i'm reading this and oh, i'm like God. That's my issue. That's one of my issues with Black Dog, right there. You know what I mean? Okay, it's the fucking nineties. There whatever. are times where um, <laughs> using something like that fucked up yeah. can be can can bring forward a story. You can have this like creepy pseudo sexual thing going on with a vampire who's like in a child's body. Like they did that in uh, what was that? Uh, Interview the vampire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interview For sure. the vampire. It had mm-hmm. that whole like all throughout, and and it's. It's something where you feel sympathy for the characters while also being kind of like, oh, this is also weird and gross. And like, and, but ultimately, you know, you feel bad for, you know, the situation that that child is in. Mm-hmm. And and it's just it's something you can use in a game without it just being, oh, edgelord, like exactly like, oh, look how perverted and twisted they are. Like, no, like make make it serve a purpose. Exactly. To make it serve a fucking purpose. That's exactly my point. Now, like I said, if, if I mean you, that purpose could just be that you want a player character to just fucking hate them. Like that's well, yeah. possible. But like just throwing that in there just because Exactly. I mean, like I would be remiss and I would be like totally hypocritical if I said you absolutely can't touch those topics in a game because I've done it myself as a storyteller, you know, with Roman Duncern and all that shit. But it wasn't like wasn't I mean like, and and with Coach Olsen. Coach like, Olsen. My own character, uh, Lenny, yeah. is dealing with something like that. So, yeah, you can do it. And you can, you know, like these games are cathartic and therapeutic in a way. And you can tackle shit like that. And you can have it as a horror, horror element. But just to go out and like say it is unimaginative, dude. It's like, like you said, the Anne Rice's interview with the vampire, great fucking book, awesome fucking movie adaption. And it tackled some difficult fucking themes there, dude. It, ta- it tackled homosexuality. It tackled, even with the character that you are talking about, it tackled a lot of themes there. But it was done in a manner that, I don't know, was just done in a manner that was adult, you know, that was like not edgelordish. And I really don't like to, like to, I try not to be like insulting and i don't know who wrote that part and i'm not like whatever and different time periods again whatever but it's just too much it's too fucking much and it served no fucking purpose all right well here's the really difficult question for you chris yeah how Mm -hmm. would you use that in a game oh how would i use that how would would you use that in a game that specific plot point oh man how could you make that better i think i can make it you can yeah, yeah, I think I can too. I definitely think I could you if I was to use him as an NPC in the game, and along with the the other vampire, the kid vampire, I would use innuendo, and I would use moments to where, like I do with a lot of things in game, where I'm gonna have the players and the characters themselves wonder if they're what they're assuming is right, wonder if they're assuming is wrong. You know what I mean? Like just kind of leave it like life in general, man. How many people do you see 
walking down the street that you look at and you just get bad vibes from by how they look, let alone people you see them in social situations and doing shit and you see them being inappropriate. I mean, not to open up a can of worms, but you can even go back to like the Michael Jackson days and looking at shit like that and being like, someone's not right there, you know? And it, you could even use that as a plot driven thing. Like, so let's say you have this sabat npc these two sabat npcs and even a montreal game or whatever and you have a sabat member who's still on humanity or you have a sabat member who's like on the path of honorable accord or something to that shit who does not think that is right but you can also use it as a plot point to where maybe someone doesn't interpret what this character sees as that's what's going on you know is this nosferatu gonna go around telling people hey look what i do with this kid no and it could be lead to conflict. It could lead to a lot of shit. And that's fine if you want to handle it that way. You know, what I felt that they could have done in the book is gone without the line saying they have sex. You know, you could use some terminology to imply that maybe it might be happening. I mean, what happened to like that to me is what drives me to what I enjoy about the canon because so much of it is interpretive. I love that unreliable narrator that's thrown around a lot, right? For canon. I love the fact that in my game, I can be like, it doesn't make sense for neonates to believe in a fucking cane myth. I mean, they could say it's being told, but when in a world where a lot of people don't even take religion verbatim. So I don't know. I get that. I just felt like between you and I, I felt like it just was to make it edgelord, just like the fucking pictures that are in that book that I'm looking at. I'm like, did this serve a purpose other than to, to make people uncomfortable? And I get that. You want to make people uncomfortable in horror. That's fucking fine, dude. I've done it in our shit. Fine. That's cool. You got to do it, though, in a certain way, man. Or it's just fucking dumb. It's just like hostile the movie. Like, it serves no fucking purpose. It's just gratuitous. And it's just going to make uh, me. Yeah. Let's let's not dive into the, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. the torture porn genre. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's just to me. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's a whole lot of criticism to go there. Someone's probably like a huge hostile fan. It's like, oh, subscribe. Fuck these motherfuckers. Now I'm joking. But, um, you know, hey. Oh, well, if you, goodbye. Don't yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and I just think like, like dude you know me man right and anyone who's listened to us knows that like i'm not sitting here playing katanas and trench coats and i don't fault people who do that but that i i, t- I tell i try to tell horror stories in my shit that make people uncomfortable but you there's a way to do it man like i look at this there's a lot of world of darkness i look at and i get inspiration like i do from horror novels by authors i like like clive barker all these folks i read something like this i or i read something like that in the book and i cannot i there's nothing that like in any any horror book that makes me go that, that that handles it like that is this the way that it's handled and again awesome thing is you don't have to fucking use the npc you know or you don't have to use that or you can change it or whatever i just think that it was done for shock man and i hate that shit just done for shock dude because yeah, ex- yeah ex- no that's fair um sometimes yeah. you could just have to uh you have to just change it yeah uh, a lot of times you have to change it to make it to make it better there's a lot of potential so um I think that covers. Uh, I think that covers infernal, infernalism yeah. and Montreal. all that other all that other jazz. The, <laughs> Montreal but rather well. One thing though is the covens are really awesome. Take a look at the covens; really fucking good, really great how they handle it. I'm a I'm a huge fan of the librarians and the. Uh, and I had the name right in front of me. I believe they are called the Queens of Mercy. <laughs> The Queens of Mercy are awesome fucking concept of basically like people who are embraced like in the gay quarter of Montreal and how like it's so fucking well done. And that's done with like respect. You know what I mean? And I'm a huge fucking fan of that. So take from it what you will. But uh, Montreal to me is like, I don't know, man. I don't know. Mexico City, the way that Mexico City, the Sabat lore is Sabat's handled in Mexico City. I'm more of a fan of that than of like the Quebec shit. And maybe there's some Sabat purists who are going to fucking 
who are going to uh, <laughs> be upset about that, but it is what it is. But yes, moving on. So one thing I do love, uh, you know what I love, Andrew? Uh, I You could end this in multiple different ways. I'm imagining <laughs> cold brew is going to be the brew. one. Cold brew. Well, that's one, and I love me some Black Sabbath and Guns N' Roses. But one thing that I love is when in World of Darkness games, or World of Darkness canon, something like reaches out to me and, and makes me feel um the enjoyment and the just the overall entertainment that i feel from the horror genre outside of the world of darkness like books right and so which leads to that's a that's a weird way i came like around this this city to constantinople by night constantinople the whole concept of constantinople like the whole fucking concept i fucking love i love it 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 i mean <laughs> it's a uh, it's an important uh, piece of history. It was the heart of one of the uh, most long-standing empires and heart of culture and learning. It was it was the city in the world for millennia. Mm. Yeah, it was. It was a it was a hubbub of a culture. It was the new Rome. You know, you had Constantine who went there and made it the new Rome, especially after Rome was sacked. You, you it's. Not only is it awesome how they handled it, but I felt like the main reason that I love it so much is that so many of the characters and the personalities in that lore are original and are unique. And, you know, that's hard to find, to be honest with you, man, in the world of darkness, because a lot of what has been done has already been done, you know? And it's like, you constantly kind of see some concepts that come around and you're like, yeah, okay. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't like, doesn't just like strike originality in you. And the thing that really pulled me in to Constantinople one night was the concept of Michael, the Toreador and just the epic beauty. And I, I'm, I'm not using that, that, term lightly when i say beauty but just the beautiful concept that they take for an elder and they make it into like this tragic elders the the methuselahs methuselahs yeah sorry trinity the trinity the trinity is just so well done the trinity just makes me remember when i was reading Anne rice's like blood and gold the vampire mond well let's uh let's break this down for people yeah what what is the trinity first we have most importantly michael Michael, who that's not even his uh, first name, uh, Michael, who the name he ultimately took when he converted to Christianity, the Toreador, who um, is probably the best example of like an ancient Toreador, someone who is subject to this curse for so long, it warps who they are to the point to where they they take on this image of like this stained glass like angelic being and sees themselves as like a true archangel you know he's so, so warped and twisted and deranged you know over time but insanely powerful and and who's to say he isn't like what a god would be you know he's so that he's that powerful and everyone loves him yes and he has like through use of disciplines <laughs> like chemistry and all that stuff like has given this projection on himself to find it and he like went to Constantinople with the purpose of of building this paradise, building this what he felt was a city of God because he became a convert in, unto Christianity much late, deep into his vampiric existence because when he was embraced, there was no Christianity, you know, at the time. Yeah, he was like, 
it was it wasn't until like round I know it was wasn't it wasn't at the turn of the century, but it was before it had gotten to like a century in, you know, or turn of the millennium. I'm sorry, it was before it got to a century in. I don't I don't remember the exact date or anything. They have it in the book somewhere. Yeah, but like he was already like at least two thousand years old by that point. Yep, he was at least two thousand years old. He had, and if you read about his past before then, it's just so fucking awesome how he go, how that is dealt with. But it it shows to me like with a lot of respect. How, like you said, vampires change over time when those millennia go by and how their grip on reality slowly starts slipping away. And I think it comes almost to that challenge that we talked about with paths and having to play something alien. Now, what I I also hold on. I also want to kind of point out that it's important to note the whole reason Michael was even like wandering around looking for somewhere to settle and everything. If you, if you, you kind of have to read into this a little bit. But if you look like in Rome, there's this whole like there's this whole cult going on at the time and it's called Mithraism. <laughs> and like, you know, there's this whole thing about how like they, they worship this, this entity they revere is like the sun God Mithras, you know, and it was kind of a big deal. And, it, and if you don't know, Mithras is a vampire of a different clan and they don't really typically get along with, with each other. The Ventru and the Toreador in ancient times, they were rivals. Mm hmm. They were rivals in Rome. And so you, you have this like backdrop. It's, it it kind of if – if you take Constantinople by night and then you take like London – they have like a Victorian London by night. And you kind of read like the timelines of the two. You can kind of match it up and look how like these two were in London. Something happened where the both of them left, said fuck this place, and went off and founded their own empires on opposite sides of Europe. Yeah, they're both in Rome and they're territorial, right? These are territorial mm-hmm. creatures, right? And the older you get, that territory widens. You know, it goes from being like a block to like, this is my fucking goddamn thousand mile radius, you know, and you're not welcome yeah. here. And the what I like too about the the whole Trinity thing, when you introduce Antonius the Gaul, the, who's a venture, and you and introduce uh, Dragon, which is, he was a uh, Shimaze, was that weird form of romance that and and love that kindred have with each other and Anne rice tackles love triangle yeah yeah love triangle but it's not like um it's a pure love right it's not like they never get into details about like exactly what that love constitute but i always take it like it's more than it's not even really like a physical love it's a companionship it's a companionship in a world where you are extremely fucking lonely you're extremely paranoid you're extremely alien and you find someone to share that eternity with or part of that eternity with. And that's, thing, that's something that's delved with or dealt with a lot in Anne Rice's books where she kind of deals with the – where people, vampires, will kind of come together and spend time for like a couple centuries together and then just stop hanging out with each other. You know what I mean? Just like they're out of love. And I felt that that tapped into that so much. It's such a fucking tragic story. I don't want to get into the whole – like it's a really complicated story. But yeah, there's a- I mean as any like – circle of lovers is when you have a love triangle between these three who are just so enthralled with each other and and there's no doubt in my mind that uh there's blood bonding going on as well like warping mm-hmm. all this and making them obsessive yeah and michael trying to be manipulative and then like mm-hmm. the the death of of one of them i don't want to spoil too much and then the remorse that happened after that and then like the ramifications because not only is constantinople these three it is their children and it is the the canites that are brought 
to the city because they're pulled by this dream. Because this is a dream yeah, of Michael. Dream, yeah. It's the, the dream yeah. of uh, the continuing uh, empire. Mm-hmm. It's uh, you know you at this you have to think about it. You know, what's happening in the world at the time? There's there's this decline in the western roman empire they're facing all these struggles and like emperor after emperor is just ruining everything by by ignoring their problems digging their head in the sand and making all these games happen and just like just spending money and then people are getting assassinated and they're being slowly just over time just driven back driven away from all the land they had conquered and it gets to a point where the the entirety of the western uh half of the Roman Empire because they had split into two with two different emperors ruling over each uh, portion to, to you know because it was so large they needed they need yep. there wasn't like instantaneous communication or anything they needed people who could uh, they could rely on to rule both sides and so the the western half just completely collapsed mm-hmm. and this was long after Constantinople had become the heart of the empire Rome was long abandoned at this point you know constantine emperor constantine he he moved into constantinople like, renamed <laughs> the city and just like this is this is the new rome new church you had the orthodox church there too that was different than its western counterpart it's just it was so weird, much weird fact weird factoid i learned by the way little side note mm-hmm. did you know that like the majority of people in the roman empire actually spoke greek and not latin i did not know that wow yeah i did not know yeah, that they spoke greek it was the most common language uh the, the romans had a hard-on for greeks and well uh, yeah yeah in the early in their history <laughs> the aristocracy actually spread uh greek throughout the entirety of the empire and the whole reason the the whole byzantine empire as it's now referred to as uh they the common language is actually greek mm. Nice. Very nice. Yeah. Yeah. It's so well done. And the thing that is another thing that I like about it, there's two things I want to talk about before I forget, but I'm going to go with the first one. One thing that I like about it is the way that they handle Canaanite politics in the city. They don't have a prince and they have families and they have like families have certain power and structure and then they have subfamilies that fall within them. And it's just like. And everyone answers to the Trinity. The Trinity, yeah. what is that uh, they call it? There's this whole like hierarchy uh, that you can kind of see as like the uh, precursor to the traditions uh, yeah. it, where, where it's still a little bit, it's different from the traditions. Mm-hmm. It's very different, but it has a a certain rule set like yeah, a law it's, it's, it's the laws that all the canines in constant constantinople have to follow you know the and codex. the trinity is the number one uh here i found the list it's called the, the legacy of trinity yep the codex of legacies for sure mm-hmm. and and the very first everyone is is answers to the trinity everyone essentially is what it is you know they they are the ones who set all the laws they are the ones who interpret it and create new laws so you just do whatever they say and so you have all like you're saying all these families all these uh groups of uh vampires that have like all their individual like outlooks and politics but each of them they all know who they answer to yeah for sure and the one thing that i like about it too is it's a tragic story because we all know what happened to Constantinople. Uh, if if those of you listening don't, it ends up getting sacked uh, by the Westerners and then it ends up being taken over by Easterners. And it's kind of like in the middle of this hotbed on both sides of it that are going on. But through before that ever happens, you're given an insight into how the, the dream, like in itself, Michael's dream is slowly, I guess, I don't want, well, it's kind of being corrupted. But it's just slowly falling apart because Michael's going more insane. Uh, in the book, in the book, they kind of mentioned that it's it's pushed a little quicker than it was going because of a Melkavian. But 
like Michael is slowly getting discompopulated. He eventually goes into Torpor. Things start falling apart. People die. And to kind of go back to a little bit of what we were talking about in Montreal that I that I didn't like how they handled, but they handle in Constantinople is infernalism. Infernalism isn't called infernalism in there with a the capital I. You know, there's a really tragic story about a Bali NPC called Black Maria. Now, some of the ways that she's handled and like <laughs> Black Maria, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Some of the th- like the story about how she became a Bali. I'm like, and eh, that's that's eye rollish. But the like the the story about her being a ghoul and Michael when he was like Miguel, Mikhail, or however you pronounce it, you know, like an Enoch, and like that's tragic and that's sad and how it kind of followed Michael into Constantinople with this Bali again, how she's embracing that fan of, I don't like it, but there's also a Nefandi who is in the city too, who uh, is in the middle of Constantinople mage. And I like that too. And I, I, I feel because it's not like in the forefront, it's just a couple of paragraphs mentioned in there, but it exists there. Such a good fucking setting though. Such a good setting. I want to run a game in there one day, but it's like one of those settings where it's like, like, can I do it justice? You know what I mean? Like, because there's so much that has already been laid out. That's wonderfully done. Oh man, is this so well done? It really is. It's a, it's a like, and there's ramifications, like you said, like, like if you even want to talk about when um, Mithras and um, and, and Michael went their own ways in Rome because they wanted their own territory, or even the ramifications of what came after the fall of Constantinople, you know, and the and the impact that that left on people. It's just it's so wonderfully done, really. And I think it is by far my favorite canon aspect of Vampire the Masquerade, Vampire Dark Ages, whatever you want to call it, just the overall canon. I just love how it was done. I I really like Mary the Black personally mm-hmm. because of what happens with her and Michael. I know in V twenty they kind of changed it up a little bit. Mm. And, I didn't know that. Uh, yeah. So uh, spoiler alert: uh, she she diabolizes Michael, and yep. they kind of become one. So like he is he is still alive in a way inside of her and you know you know that how in in some of the lore they have like things like that happen where like with mithras mm-hmm. you know with the whole thing where he uh now he's an asmite you know it's something like that and yeah. and like she has this like just grief and just madness inside of her and it's it's really cool it's mm. really cool i think the way they handled her um in v20 is pretty good they uh they do a lot of things they they make they Correct a lot of uh, the mistakes mm. of older versions in V20. <laughs> the back, how she was like brought forth by like tablets or some shit, you know what yeah. I mean? I like, yeah, yeah, no, that was kind of kind of dumb. No, yeah. she uh, she has a sire, and um, oh, nice, mm-hmm. yeah, and and they they kind of redo her story a little bit, but she's uh, I think she's a good character now. I don't older, maybe not so much, but uh, her mm. her story now in like a uh, modern era is uh, pretty good. That's awesome. Yeah, I liked her. That, like I said, the tra- when she was a ghoul to to Michael and the mm-hmm. you know whole tragedy of him leaving, and I liked that aspect. Not the yeah, not the the tablet part, <laughs> but oh well, you know. Yeah, and, well, she she went gotten her vengeance. She diabolized him, but then it backfired, and they became know? one. And like he is even kind of implied that he knew she was going to. You know what I mean? Like like the whole time he like kind of foresaw it. Which again such a fucking awesome aspect of these games really is when you t- when you tackle the tragedy behind it and the, like just the curse you know fucking- one of the uh one of the good things about that specific character in the v20 is they kind of like leave it open to the storyteller to determine like how much is michael and how much is mary and who's mm-hmm. in control and like is he subtly like is the thing she's doing these twisted fucked up things she's doing where she's creating this like well of sacrifice which those are 
those are those pits of like organs and shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well of sacrifices she's doing. Is he is he the one pushing her to that? Is this hit this is her serve his goals? You know, like is he infernal, least, basically? Yeah, is he is he like one is has he always been that corrupt? Like he was with a lover with the Dracon. Like was he? Yeah. You don't know. You know, it's so it's like this and he he was maybe he's this fallen angel now. You know, he saw himself as this archangel. Maybe he is like Oh, he's fallen. So, so it, it leaves it up to your imagination as a storyteller. It, yeah. it puts the hints there, and you can do what you want with it. And, and so, as far as uh, meta plot, the the uh, the whole like this trinity of uh, vampires that uh, these ancient Methuselahs uh, who live in the heart of like one of the greatest empires that the the world has known one of i mean there's plenty of others that were larger and more powerful but you know this is still a very important one to western civilization it shaped the world and mm-hmm. and to have this uh just the, the subtle influences they have you know of like you know shaping politics for years to come even though they're no longer around one other thing I liked about it, and I just thought about it now because you mentioned Dracon, is the way that the Shimaze are handled in the in Constantinople. Very eerie shit. Very eerie shit in, in, in ways yeah. that is not done. And it's done in a good way. You know what I mean? It's where where like they don't um, they don't do too much. You know, like in some of the uh the some of the Shimizu, uh content you see out there, it's like really over the top and like yeah. ah look at this body horror. Yeah, you know, body horror is great, but only in like when it's done right. Yeah, just the eeriness of it. You know, the brothers Simon and or Simon, I don't know if I pronounce it, and Gesu, and just like yeah, read into it. Those NPCs are some very well done. There's a couple NPCs I'm like eh, corny, but you know, like every you're not gonna not you're not gonna bat 100. You know what I mean? They're just not gonna do it every time. But so many good NPCs. Uh, I look at Beckett's Jihad di- Diary and uh, disagree with you. Okay, well, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Okay, bat 100. <laughs> Matthew Dawkins, if you're listening, you're a perfect hitter right there when it comes to that. <laughs> but this is the uh, epitome of his creation so far awesome maybe maybe one day he'll uh outdo himself but uh that one uh, yeah that one i've heard like uh, i said I, before my only complaint with that was like reading it on pdf was a pain yeah i mean i, I, just, did, I can't <laughs> afford a physical copy i just bought the pdf that's all i've got <laughs> to digress but a little bit about that i did like the driver i forgot his name and um in the Chicago chapter, the one who drives people who drove Beckett to Chicago between two cities. I forgot what the city was. Uh, the mm-hmm, driver kid, mm-hmm. the guy who fucking feeds up people who are, you know, me and my characters yeah. I love who use drugs. I was just like, oh, dude, I'm fucking loving it. By the way, I don't do drugs. I'm just saying that I really loved that mind bending, fear and loathing Matthew McConaughey just kind of fucking vibe to it. So it's really well done. So I think we summed it up pretty well, man. I think we talked about two critical i don't want to say any of this is critical but two kind of well-known cities and areas two different eras two different kind of themes that are done what we liked and what we don't like about it how we felt we could have tackled some things differently in it i felt that was very uh informative man i actually can't wait to do something like this again with more canon i kind of want to i feel like i learn too by this and like i said i feel like i can add my insights and what i feel if anyone gives a shit you know and how i would use it so that's dope man you got anything to add before we take a break no i don't think so not right now Awesome. So we're going to take a a break and then we're going to come back and then we'll talk about things that we have coming up and uh, stay tuned. High Level Games, the industry's first choice in taking your games to the next level. We are a podcast blog and new media network at highlevelgames.ca. We have blog posts about all of your favorite games going up five days a week and a podcasting network with actual plays and shows that discuss role-playing games with more rolling out all the time. We are on iTunes, Twitch, and YouTube. Find out more information at highlevelgames.ca, a site that certainly 
isn't controlled by a shadowy board of directors of otherworldly origin. That's highlevelgames.ca. Please, help. They're coming. All right, hello, and everyone, welcome back. So this is the part where we talk about things that we have come up, coming up, kind of giving some insight into what's going on in the future and all that jazz for those of you who are interested. So on June 24th, we'll be releasing a one-shot mini series called Eclipse Phase Continuity. Eclipse Phase is a futuristic sci-fi slash horror from my understanding uh now i'll be playing in it but tillman who plays in andrews hunters hunted 2 game who plays in ultimate evil plays in a lot of stuff i don't need to list everything he has played is going to dm it i guess i guess it's called dm and eclipse phase it's not called st but either way is going to run the game now i am game master game master that's okay now i am so excited the fact that we are doing a new game i like that we are doing one shots that just kind of whomever has a whim to run it we've done chronicles of darkness we've done call of cthulhu we did slasher flick which was a blast and so it's like get us not you know not only trying new i guess new mediums to do what we do with our actual plays but these actual these one shots help us also as storytellers and as players we can be experimental we can try some new things as a i know as a player i i definitely prefer it because i feel like if if i'm given a pre-gen that comes with this i can try out new things and not be so afraid to try out new things as a player because these aren't going to be like long running campaigns that are going to be going on so i can get more experimental so i'm really happy about that keep your eyes open for more one shots coming down the pipe they're just kind of figured out on a whim i mean we don't have any like scheduled out front but there's talk going around about whatnot if another one will happen so keep your eyes open out on the eclipse phase tillman's super excited for it i know that it'll be quinn slavic becca and i will be playing in that so i'm really excited to give that a try then on july 1st we have the hunters hunted 2 corruption the mop gun mafia i just made that up off the top of my head the drug slinging fucking shaman and all the other gang are going to be be touched upon again andrew is doing an awesome job running that if you have not heard the hunter subject to corruption please go listen to it it is such a fun thing for me to play in it has this weird element of of like a light-hearted comedic approach but also scary as fucking serious tones to it so it's really a nice balance man I, I don't know how else to put it andrew to you but it's like this weird perfectly balanced approach to an actual play i mean that's that's my opinion I'm about it. so I, yeah uh, i do like a bit of uh comedy in my games not too much you know you gotta you have to balance things out like you said so i'm For glad sure. that uh, you're enjoying it i don't think it's going to end the way you think <laughs> and uh, uh it's not ending the way i thought either that's the thing uh but it is um it is nearing an end it's just a matter of how long it takes you guys to get there. You guys have been close to the end for going on three sessions now, so we'll see how how long it takes y'all to, to get insane. to it. That's insane. And 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 we left on a cliffhanger too. So like, I'm really excited to kind of see how that uh that le- what that leads to. It, and it's it's fun. It's fun you to all try. Watch your rolls. The vampire kills you all. End of game. End of game. <laughs> the no World of Darkness version of Rocks Fall. Everybody dies. I mean, just take my life anyways. My YouTube channel got shut down in game. You know, what else is there to live for? You know, uh, but... I got more. I can throw it. <laughs> but yeah, check that out for sure. That is uh, that has been a blast and it's still going. And I'm so excited about it, too. And then we have on the 15th, we have our ultimate evil 
uh, the ultimate evil second story arc institutionalized the second like session being released for that when you listen to this even you, uh, our first session has already been released and um i'm really excited for that i'll tell you what a little insight and it's kind of funny like as a storyteller I'm constantly learning new things about the experience, about myself, about just the, the, and I hate to use the term, the art, because it sounds pretentious as fuck, but there is an art form when it comes to storytelling, because you are telling a story and telling a story is art, but it's always, it's always like, like just when you think you have it, when you have an understanding of everything, two things make me nervous as a storyteller doing a piece, a first session of a story and a last session of a story. After that first session and before that last session, I am pretty confident not not gonna say i'm not saying i'm good or great but i just know that like when i go into it i'm relaxed confident i feel like i have everything under control i feel like you know definitely like my reactions are are my snappuses are firing on all cylinders it's probably the cold brew that i drank but either way i feel more confident from the second to the second to last session so when we ran that first session of ultimate evil it's really funny because it's been like how long fuck it's been like a year two years since ultimate evil wrapped up i can't remember it's been a, a good long amount of time and so like i had this idea in my head like how the first session was going to go because it was the first session is kind of like a prelude and that i was trying to catch it up to a certain point and when that went it did not go how i felt it was gonna go and and it's funny because in my head like red alarms are going off and, rah, 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 and i'm like oh shit and i feel like in my head is being portrayed in my voice and my my face right like i'm sitting there thinking to myself like oh my fuck i'm, I'm fucking failing i'm failing i'm failing i'm failing i'm failing and i go back though and i listen to it and i'm like i sound perfectly fucking normal when doing it dude but in my head i feel like you could hear the panic in my voice or whatever and so i after that first session i went to go listen to it and i'm like oh my fucking god i love this i fucking love it i loved the the and this is a kudos to all the players to to you andrew to adam to mitch to to slavic to tillman I went and listened to those conversations and I was just blown away how quick you guys jumped right back into those characters. I mean, there was no like grow, growing period. You know what I mean? Like it was like right away. No, like it's amazing. It's a testament to you guys. It is a hundred percent. I mean, to be fair, we do plan these things out ahead of time. So we knew what we were going into. So it's not like, uh, Oh yeah. It's not like it was sudden, like, Hey guys, we're all together. Let's play this ultimate evil. Like it wasn't like that. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> to be fair, we knew what we were, we were like, all right. Ultimate yeah Evil part two let's let's do this let's do it we've been fired yeah. up for it but like yeah. the, the ways you guys interacted though you know what i mean like the conversations and just like the oh, i mean it flows naturally because we're just uh we're just playing the character that we have how we imagine them and just playing them off each other yeah. and that's as always it's just a natural way like we we can do that yes it doesn't matter which game it is whether it's ultimate evil or mm-hmm. or tcbn or even one of the other games it doesn't doesn't matter doesn't yeah. matter. We are able to do that. You can you can trust us, Chris. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, it okay. also like, <laughs> it also like it brings out like like I listened to it and I just thought this is what how real people would react. You know what I mean? And you can't predict how real people would react, and that's the beauty of it. So that's and, part of what uh, I was going for in that uh, in that session was mm-hmm. like, oh, we're picking right up. Okay, <laughs> you asked yeah. for this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're now- <laughs> right where we left off. All right. Like. <laughs> time to deal with this shit it's a different story but yeah yeah, yeah. well the the one that's gonna be released on the 15th of july is going to like start six months later you know what i mean so we'll, we'll get to do some deep character exploration man i'm really fucking yeah. excited for that really 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 excited for that by the way the the just the that that story is very 
special to me because it's a place that I spent time my childhood in and a lot of the people in the places are based off of real people and places I knew so it's like it's um I don't know man I'm I'm just super excited about it too and I'm I'm just like fucking pounding away notes dude so anyways I I'm I'm fucking talking too much about it but check it out it is what man it's just that game for me dude i mean i love tcbn and i love other shit i ran but this is the game where it's like therapeutic in a way so i'm i'm very excited about uh tackling it so and then after that we have on the 22nd we will be releasing chronicles of darkness temptation inferno and let me fucking say i have so much fun playing in that game I did not know what to expect with that game after the first session. Seriously, Slavic pitched this idea, had two separate character cre- uh, creation sessions, and I am vastly enjoying it. It ha- And I'm not comparing ourselves to this, and please don't take what I'm about to say as like me comparing us to a TV show. I'm not trying to say that, but Tillman said it best where he told me, in conversation that it had like that early Game of Thrones vibe to it and the fact that like it wasn't it wasn't clean and it was it was very like grounded you know what i mean like had that grime that grime feel to it Isn't and it the game where you guys are like modeling after like wraith sort of where you have like a demon and a person playing the same character yep, for sure okay the demons are actually i haven't more- i haven't i haven't listened to it at all yet hmm. uh, oh. so i just know like the the pitch that uh, slavic gave yeah it's it's really it's a testament to Slavic and it's a testament to Tillman and Quinn who play the two demons and the fact that really the, the, the for the most part the game focuses around my character, Brother Jan, and Craig's character. And the demons are a mere backdrop, but like the patience that the players have and playing these demons and the timing is fucking impeccable, dude. There's a line I mean, that's yeah. their character, right? Yeah. So yeah. like yeah. of course they're they're gonna play demons. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, for sure. And and the 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 way each handles it, but like there, there's a distinct line. And you, you'll hear it when when you get around to listening to it. There's one line that Tillman I think did great because he is playing the demon that is attached to to Craig's character, and Craig's playing this this Sir Reinhardt. He's like a younger brother in a minor family and uh, a pretentious asshole. I love you, Craig, but the character, his character, my character, don't get along, but. The demon. Please, please tell me he didn't model him after Reinhardt from Overwatch. I don't. Yeah, I don't. I have no idea who that is, but I don't think so. He. He. I mean, Craig's historical knowledge. By is, the way, is he blonde, like really tall, broad shoulder with a massive shield and a hammer? No, 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 not. Uh, he, he's just a. Uh, he's a pretentious asshole. I love you, Craig. I mean, no, but anyways, uh, asshole too. And yeah, Overwatch. <laughs> so, um, so there's a scene where Tillman, who's playing his demon, out of the blue, like just out of the blue, asks. Why haven't you laid with a woman? And it's just like you have uh, this guy. Uh, what do I say? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the guy's like, I haven't uh, been holy sacrament. He's like, yes, but you have the furs to show that you have status. Why haven't you? You know what I mean? It's just like, oh my god, Tillman, you're freaking me out, bro, because he's so like a tempting <laughs> demon. Where Quinn, who plays my demon, is like, ah, oh, don't you want to be comfortable? And it's cool how he does it. Like, like, like where. Like I debate my demon, and like it's like this back and forth because my guy's like a fanatical fucking. And the other demons just yeah. like questioning your manhood. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Like, why don't you take the power you deserve? Two different approaches to yeah. uh, insidiousness. Well, yeah, it's more uh, temptation. We talked about earlier. Yeah. yeah. For sure. So it's like very, it. yeah, it's it's dope, and it's it led to a lot of good role playing scenes. And, and and Slavic straight up said that like his goal is to have it be like the first UE was the first Ultimate Evil, where like you know a lot of the characters kind of like you know what I mean had scenes that just were sporadic or whatever. And he did well, dude. Like like go listen to it if you if you haven't. And plus you get to hear Slavic's new mic in action, dude. And like fucking 
thank you to our patrons by the way for for all that and we appreciate that so yeah that's what we have coming up man it's uh it's cry cry how it's how it's coming along so do you have anything to add mr andrew before we let these people go yeah yeah uh get more sleep drink less alcohol and mm-hmm. eat a healthy diet mm-hmm. and you'll be happier yes and drink cold brew and listen to black sabbath yes until then thank you everyone for listening we are out i'm going to talk to my friend without you guys spying on us oh hello again folks i'd like to tell you about the facebook group we run called white wolf and onyx path rpgs gameplay and media have you ever wished you could have an easy way to find gameplay videos and podcasts or just media in general that deals with your favorite white wolf role-playing games why have you ever wished you could find a forum to share gameplay that you have recorded one that won't be drowned out by random posts and discussions so that your media could give the attention you deserve the group is specifically run with the sole intent of being a one-stop shop for people to view or share media involving the games we all love we take thorough steps to ensure the page does not become cluttered and is easy to traverse. The group is already immense and continuing to rapidly grow, with new media being shared every day. Stop on by. We hope to see you there.